This episode of Talk of the Devils is sponsored once more by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit 1 million orders phase. Yep, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling ETH style turtleneck sweaters or blueprints for brand new stadiums, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to Talk of the Devils, you can sign up for our $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash reddevils, all in lowercase, without any spaces. So go to shopify.com slash reddevils to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, that's shopify.com slash reddevils. The Athletic. Always lively! What a start! Somerville in! A lightning start to the second half, just like the first. Those ball, Rashford's Never from Shaw, who gets it back from Sancho. And Sancho again! This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. It's just gone 11pm and we are inside Old Trafford to react to Manchester United recovering just about from two goals down to draw two all with Leeds. The winning run's over, the unbeaten one is continuing and we've got to do it all over again on Sunday as well against the same opposition. We're going to react to the 90 minutes tonight, preview the 90 minutes on Sunday and we also have the exciting opportunity to introduce a special guest to you as well but first of all I'm going to say hello to Andy Mitten. Hello. Was that all I'm getting? Well what do you want? You're going to ask me about the game, ask him how I'm feeling, I'm feeling disappointed because Manchester United should have beaten a struggling Leeds United side. They actually did well, I thought United started both halves very poorly, conceded the goals, fell into a trap even. I was concerned that Manchester United would miss Casemiro, Christian Eriksen. I'm still concerned about that. I, f- I was a little bit uneasy coming into the game, not just because hundreds of Leeds United fans were walking down some at Busby Way with a police escort around them. I was just worried that because Leeds have been so bad and sacked the manager and Manchester United's results have been so good that there would be a trip up somewhere and it's happened here as a neutral I think it was a fascinating game, but I'm not a neutral. No, no, we're not neutrals, are we, in that sense, when we're recording a Manchester United podcast. Um, I also need to introduce you to Carl Anker as well. Please say more than hello. Evening, Ian. That was hectic. I did a little bit of an Andy Mitten celebration in the press box, where you're not quite allowed to celebrate, but you do the all like, come on, give it up! When, there you are, when uh, Sancho scored. So he was, was flicking Vs at the away, and Andy he was getting really carried I away. I did double fists. 
I did double fist away. He wasn't really. He wasn't really. Always professional. I would have done that. No, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, yeah, uh, I think so. Last podcast, I said 48 hours is too soon for a new manager bounce. Uh, sorry about that. Like, I guess 48 hours isn't. That was weird. Leeds were a lot better than I expected them to be. And it really took United 60 minutes and a couple of substitutions to figure out what they were trying to do. Yeah. Weird. I think even the Leeds lot were pretty surprised by the reaction. Just in the row in front of me was the captain, Liam Cooper, who missed the match tonight with a knock. Um, Stuart Dallas, who's a long-term injury absentee for them as well. They seemed pretty surprised at that first half showing their oohing and ahhing at some of the moves in that first half. But again, we're not here to talk about Leeds United, are we? We're here to talk about Manchester United. Why were they so flat, Andy? Not because the manager wanted them to be, and he told them at half-time, don't make the mistakes that you made in the first half. And yet Manchester United did make the mistakes of the first half. Caught cold twice and you just cannot afford to do that against any opponent less one who's fighting against uh, relegation there were a couple of Leeds players I thought did really well uh, Nonto impressed me a lot and I know from speaking to some Leeds fans before the game that he has been one of the bright spots of a very poor season for them and I was saying you know, what have been your highlights this season and like well, there hasn't been any, but they were saying that in obviously a very strong Yorkshire accent, which I'm not going to try and uh, take off. I, I just feel now one win in four in the league in Manchester United, so it's turned into a little bit of a stumble. And it's a shame that because results have actually gone the way of Manchester United. And had the team won tonight, then United would have been level on points with, with Manchester City. I just think it showed that the squad is still not there and when you go beyond that strongest 11 it becomes a concern there were bright spots I thought Jadon Sancho was probably the brightest spot coming on um, obviously scoring Marcus's goal was very good as well but equally there were a lot of, of negatives and the game management United's midfield was really poor it was wasn't it we'll definitely really talk poor. about that 100% we need to uh, give a shout out to Ryan Gray on Twitter listen to this Russell before I say anything I'm just having a sweet. That, I'm that, a sweet. That's Andy Mitten helping himself to Carl Anker's Maltesers. Um, Ryan Gray on Twitter, who uh, actually pointed out that every time on the podcast we mention the T word, the title race, um, Manchester United dropped points, which um, is not actually our fault, but it's quite an accurate point that he's made there. Um, thank you for the athletic Twitter account for... <laughs> putting that out before the game as well uh, we got a little bit of grief for that and I imagine we'll get more after the draw tonight Carl in terms of the overall display for United is it just a result of having a load of players missing there were seven first teamers missing tonight and in sort of probably five of those seven you can say that the starters Juan Basaka who's been the first choice right back of late Casimiro Eriksen Martial Anthony they all would have started that game wouldn't they yeah uh, I think no Casemiro meant Manchester United lacked control and a stopper in, in central midfield. Leeds in particular want to play quite narrow and like loads of transitions, loads of counter-attacks through the middle area in particular. Casemiro just stops that dead. Uh, it's really good at slowing things down there. Without Makes him. it less chaos, chaotic as well. Yeah. Because that was a big theme of the first half especially. Hugely, hugely. Um, so without him, there was, there was no just controlling the central midfielders. Without Christian Eriksen, there was no consistent way of passing the ball into the final third. So there are loads of times where the ball went out wide a bit and nothing happened. Leeds were really, 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 really focused on making sure Marcus Rashford wasn't getting on the ball. Rashford was playing on the right-hand side because there was no Anthony. You know, we all talk about Anthony, what's Anthony good at? When he's on the right-hand side, it just spreads out more play. You can't 
focus all the way on the left. Um, so there was, it keeps Rashford on the left as well, doesn't yeah. it? Which helps. Keeps Rashford on the left. Uh, and with no Martial meant Vekos, again, played up front. He played, again, I find it hard to say anything on the Vekos then. He's fine. He's, he's fine and he's creating space for others. But if you're a number nine striker for Manchester United, I, sooner or later you need to start scoring goals. Um, and it was interesting that it was only after Vekos went off that uh, Manchester United started putting in some crosses for Marcus Rashford. Weird. I agree on Weggers, but you do need service if you are a striker, yep. and he didn't get any. No. And you can see that he's frustrated because, as you say, strikers need to score goals. Cracking header from Marcus that came in for a cross, but why wasn't Weggers getting crosses like that? Maybe because uh, it came after the changes. You can see that he's, he's getting a little bit frustrated. Sabitzer as well, He, well, I think we should talk about him. 15 minutes in. So there was a break in play and Sabitzer came over to the dugout. Is it or Sabitzer? Uh, so I mis... You've not even worked out Vegos yet. I misspelt his name uh, more, more than... F- <laughs> About to be, mate. Several times in my latest piece and I got taken to task by Sam Brown. He went, guess how many times you misspelt his name? I went, four? It went, way more. I was like, oh, sorry. So what is it then? Uh, Marcel Sabitzer. Sabi to his mates. Sabi? I can't... I'm call him Sabi. Sabi. They, call him, they call him Sabi in the Austrian team and, and the Bayern Munich team and Leipzig. So Sabi went over to Ten Hag... <laughs> You're not uh, doing that, Carly. I want to try. I want to try. Remember the v- Raphael <laughs> Varane? Yeah, I do remember that. Yep. Yep. Uh, so Savvy went over to, to Ten Hag and Ten Hag made a gesture, just like in a little circle with his right hand of just basically, you need to recycle the ball. Because first half, everyone, both on United and Leeds, was trying to pass the ball forwards and it was just chaos. Absolute mosh pit of a midfield. The three or four times where both Sabitza and Fred were making the same run, both in attack and defence, you're going, who's, who's holding? It's just an absolute mess. Sabitzer got better in the second half. Eventually, there was one run he made in the second half where he was behind Fred, realised he was making the same run as Fred, and he sort of like he scanned a bit and went, "Oh, if I'm making the same run, someone else is free. I need to go cover that man." Peeled off, got to free Leeds man, and then eventually headed away the cross that was in for him. So he's smart enough to fix his own errors. But yeah, that was uh, I think a game too soon and against an opponent that likes playing against that sort of porous midfield if that makes sense yeah it does make sense I think as well he just looked like a player making his first appearance for a new team in a new league didn't he to be fair and the way that Leeds work in the midfield and the extra work that they put in in that first half in particular made it a pretty tricky start for him right I teased it at the top we have got a special guest he's come to join us now so if you're a fan of nicknames or white Russians uh, you're going to be pretty excited it's Critch hello Critch how are we doing you all right it's very nice to have you on the podcast. Yeah, Mark Critchley, um, the new boy in town, shall we say. Um, you're a regular, of course, at Old Trafford and at the Etihad Stadium. We'll talk about that a little less, perhaps, over the next five minutes or so. But what did you make of that tonight? I think um, I agree with a lot of the points that were just made here, although i would taken a slightly more optimistic take on it. Given that we were here on Saturday, I just feel... The last 15 minutes on Saturday really left an impression on me. Just the way that United had their backs to the wall, the way the crowd that were up, the way that it just seemed to bring everything together that Ten Hag's worked towards over the last six months. And then I know tonight wasn't as good a performance, really, uh, in, in totality, really, of the whole game. I know that they struggled at points. But that comeback also, I feel, is part of the same story, really, that um, we're seeing a different side to this United team, one that's building character gradually, one that's finding certain bit of momentum I was kind of surprised when Andy said they won one in four before you know I hadn't noticed that of course it's true but it, it doesn't feel like that at the minute because it still feels like 
Um, yes, it's the first season under Ten Hag. Yes, this team's still working towards something, but there, there is progress being made. And I think tonight was just one of those performances that you get in a debut season under a new manager. And it's to United's credit, really, that they came out with it with still something to show for it in the end. Yeah, and protecting the, the run that they've had here as well, actually, in the league. I mean, they're unbeaten since that awful match <laughs> on the opening game of the season against Brighton in the Premier League. They're unbeaten in all competitions since the first match of the Europa League campaign against Real Sociedad, which was so costly as well. There is a sense of progress in terms of the unity. I think I said on the last podcast, actually, that my biggest takeaway from Crystal Palace was the unity of the crowd. And I saw Eric Ten Hag during that second half trying to get more out of the Old Trafford faithful to try and cheer the players on a little bit more as they were trying to get back in that game. You wrote quite a bit about Sabitzer when he first arrived, did a bit of a backgrounder on him. Are we seeing enough from him in terms of his start? Are you expecting to see more from him or is, is that him? Is that, is that the player that United have got on loan? I've got to be a bit sympathetic to my fellow debutante tonight, I think. you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, Mark L. Critchett's birth, does that work? Can you pronounce that one, Andy? I don't know. You, you, you've just said it. <laughs> I've just said it. It's, it's, there's fires. Here we go. You know, you know, a man called Fred from Brazil has just walked past and I was dying to somehow link him in. Yeah. Because we're pronouncing Fred He was Fred the best wrong. Fred from Brazil yeah. in the stadium <laughs> yeah. tonight as well, Fred Caldeira. Fredgy though, isn't it? Fredgy. Uh, I think Sabi, I thought he, he, he did all right. you do it as well. <laughs> <laughs> it, it cannot have been easy for him to come into that team. He had two or three shots on goal, just went wide. Eric Tenog talked about the chances Manchester United had, talked about converting them, should have been more ruthless in front of goal. But he did not frustrate me me mate Sabi, uh, as much as other players such as Garnacho and Fred or Fredgy. Did Garnacho frustrate you? Yeah, massively, mate. Why? Because he gave the ball away four times in the first 13 minutes. And I know he's talented. I know he's young. I know you've got to cut him slack. I know he's exciting. I know he can beat a man. But there's a massive buck coming here. When you're playing first-team football for Manchester United, you're going to be judged on how you perform. And I'll cut him loads of slack. I think he's done very well this season, but he gave away possession too much this evening. He did beat the goalkeeper, pulled the ball back and shot, and it was cleared off the line. Hit that one wide as well, which was pretty unlucky, although you could argue he should have scored. Yeah, I've, I think it's a disappointing result. And I get what Critch is saying. It's, it's the first season, and this has been a good season. And we would have all have accepted this, where Manchester United are now, at pretty much any point. And it just feels frustrating. It's also why we love football, that Leeds United can come here and get that type of result and propel us into the weekend where you're thinking, this cannot happen again. probably feel a bit more frustrated because Manchester United have been so good against Leeds United since they were promoted. It's the one team that they've been really consistent against. I think they scored 15 goals and conceded, I say only five, but that's now seven. So conceded quite a few goals actually to, to Leeds United that's what Leeds do though especially yeah. this season under Jesse Marsh they've been they have been the kings of chaos I keep using the word chaos I need to think of a different word but anyway um, do you agree on Garnacho, Carl just go back to that because I thought it was an interesting point that Andy was so pointed in his criticism of him tonight no I can see why, you, why you'd be frustrated at Garnacho. he he played like an 18 year old right in, in that when he when things weren't working he tried doing it again and again and you're going ah, maybe Maybe bump the ball back. Maybe make things simple. And one thing that is good and bad about Garnacho is he's, n- he's never seen a defender he's not going to try and take on. Uh, 
we, you know, we, we spoke before about how he's like, oh, it's just great when he gets the ball and he just runs at the guy. And yeah, you, you, get, you got on the ball at Leeds and just runs at the guy. Uh, and one thing that is slightly not a problem, maybe a point of concern, is that Martial had the same problem as well a couple of seasons ago. He do, we doesn't have a plan B when he gets caught out other than I'm going to fall down now and try and win a foul. That was quite concerning tonight, actually, because he, he did do that more than once. Yeah, more than once. He had a situation where perhaps uh, someone like Cavani or you know, I'm talking about experience like Cavani or Ibra would have stopped, turned, held the back up, Veghorst well, you know, to a lesser degree put your back towards the defender, look left and right, bump the ball back and keep possession. And he went, I'm going to put this in the referee's hands and maybe get a free kick. If the referee is going to give you the whistle, you're going to get the whistle. Today, the referee was not given many fouls and wasn't given pretty much any cards either way. So Garnacho was just losing the ball. And at a time where you're playing on the left-hand side because Marcus Rashford has to move on the right, you know, so this is one of those games where Garnacho starting is a favour because someone else is injured you've got to be better with the ball um, I talked to Ten Hag as part of the press conference afterwards and said well, what I wanted to ask was do you think the United players were unprepared for how much Leeds were going to try and punch you in the face and Ten Hag was very much like well no I told them exactly what you need to do and they need to be focused and we weren't and then I asked him again went, well the fans no, it's not just Leeds as a football team it's also Leeds as a fan base are you not worried that you're going to you're going to go to Ellen Road on the weekend that'll be really loud and put you off your game and again Tanner went no I'm, I, I don't, we don't play a fan base we play a football team and he said the first thing you've got to do is deal with the ball and we didn't deal with the ball I now want to ask Ten Hag when you say deal with the ball what do you mean and then he went on a bit more about how the rules and the positioning and he said the positioning for our first goal one of our players made a mistake I think he's telling off Bruno Fernandes there. Bruno Fernandes, I interviewed after the game, he admitted that he felt he'd made a mistake in conceding that first goal. He said he didn't have the right amount of aggression um, for the second challenge in that move. He's lost. Bruno Fernandes has lost the ball on the right-hand side more than once this season. It's led to a goal. So I think that's something that's going to be worked on by scouts, both for and against United. Um, and yeah, uh, to, to loop it all up, that is the Garnacho experience. A young man who has some flaws to his game and he's trying to cover him up by going down for fouls rather than putting in a bit more intensity that Ten Hag will want. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Two more players that we need to talk about before we wrap up the section on tonight are Fred and Jaden Sancho. We've mentioned them a little bit. We need to talk about them properly, I think. How many times exactly, Critch, do you think Fred lost the ball tonight? Jeez, um, I was trying to count. 46. And 46. Is that a, a conservative estimate? He was either losing it or just giving it away needlessly. Why? Um, he just has these games every so often, doesn't he, where... The bad Fred. <laughs> the, the bad Fred comes out and you just see this kind of erratic side to his game that we've always known has been there and will crop up on occasion. And then he'll put together a string of performances where he's perhaps given him more limited instructions and exactly things, it. yeah, and, and things come together for him. You know, we, it was only a few weeks ago that you did that man-marking job in De Bruyne and we all came out of here thinking, well, you know, if, if anything Why is he not playing more? Why is yeah. he not playing more? But key to this, if anything happens to Casemiro or Ericsson, then at least he's there to, and, and we've got a consistent thread on our hands. Look, like tonight, I just think there's less said the better. I know we've got to talk about it because it was one of those, <laughs> but, but really... You just come away from that thinking he's just got to try and forget about that game. Similar with Ganacho as well. I don't really want to just go back on him, but I think that Ganacho performance, it comes after he was subbed on and subbed off against Palace on Saturday. And it's just, at the minute, because of the amount of players that are out, because of the amount of players that are unavailable, some, some others are having a bit of exposure that perhaps is a little bit overexposure that they don't need at the moment. And I think that's true for Ganacho. He's got the excuse of being a teenager. Fred doesn't have the same excuse, clearly, but I think there is a pattern there and there's a link between the two and, and a game with some of the other performances that we saw as well well I'm impressed because you got Carl excited he jumped up and down and said exactly that's the point that's the point when you just started talking there I guess you agree then Carl yeah you've got, you've got to keep Fred's uh, shopping list quite short otherwise it gets really overcomplicated there's a bit in the first half he was on right centre mid and he tried for a crossfield ball to Carnacho and I, my face dropped it's like oh no if he's trying to progress the ball we're in trouble here you don't want Fred doing too many things and he enjoyed the chaos of Crystal Palace because the you know the chaos of ten men. His only job was just win the ball back. Um, where today he had to win the ball back and make passes. He had he tried one of these sort of back towards goal. He tried hitting it first time to the left. Uh, I know what he's trying to do, and this is the thing about Fred in where he's taking the ball. You know what he's trying to do, and the choice is nearly always the right thing. But you have no idea if that pass is going to come off, and it just got intercepted. And it's that thing of. Martin Tyler once said, Fred passes in the general direction of Luke Shaw, not at Luke Shaw. And I was like, yeah, that, that, that's what bad Fred is. Sort of turned out to be quite accurate, yeah. Let's do Sancho then, because that's a lot better to talk yeah. about, Andy, isn't it? Yeah. It seemed like the entire stadium was happy for him when he scored. Not just be happy because United equalised, which is obvious, but that it was him that found the breakthrough. I think Ten Hag has managed his situation very well and can feel vindicated in the plan which he pushed through for him to go to the Netherlands. 
to try and get him back on track and he was glowing in his praise of him as a potentially brilliant footballer so I think he can see a huge amount of talent in Jadon Sancho thought he finished the goal well maybe the goalkeeper should have done probably better he's had a couple of moments this season remember when he put United head up against Liverpool there that was his first goal since the 1st of September that in the Premier League and first Premier League um, start since since October so I I think he's probably the brightest um, point that we can talk about from this evening because he should be a better footballer than than Garnacho for example for the reasons we've discussed with Garnacho and this is still a huge one for Manchester United. You've got to go to Leeds again. And I get what Eric Tenog's saying about you're not playing the crowd. but I think you are on Sunday. Well, well he's, he's never been to Leeds. And it is vicious. It really is. And I know that he's been to final with Ajax. And that is also vicious because I've been to that derby. But it will be a major factor. And they will be even more emboldened because they've got a draw here. They'll be thinking we can actually do these on Sunday. And then after that, you've got the games against Barcelona and you've got the cup final. So February is a really significant month for Manchester United, carrying all of these injuries. So Jadon Sancho coming back in, scoring is a, a real plus point for United. Does he go straight into the starting lineup for Sunday, Carl? Uh, if he can start, yes. So he, d- he didn't start today because he had illness. Ten Hag mentioned before in the press conference that uh, he felt bad for Sancho because he would have brought money against Crystal Palace apart from the red card. So Ten Hag clearly now has ideas for how many minutes Sancho can play. I'd like it to be more than half an hour. Uh, the interesting thing was Sancho came on the left-hand side, Rashford went up front. Uh, and another great thing, Sancho ran at his man without Luke Shaw overlapping. He just got on the ball and went, come on then. He was the funnel that Manchester United were attacking through, wasn't he, in the, in the last... 20 minutes of that game it was all going down yep. Jaden Sancho siding through him you think about Omonia and Nicosia where Sancho just didn't want to run at a fullback and was passing that it back really that's the opposite yeah. tonight yeah. and yeah he had he had a sprinkle of the Garnachos in that he just kept going at Leeds defenders get, gets that goal um, the great thing about Sancho and one reason he will always be worth goals or assists is that little pause he does in the th- final third so there are times where you expect the player to shoot and the defender goes for a block and he just puts his foot on the ball goes, nope I'm going to sell you that dummy I'm going to shift the ball that way did that two or three times as well uh, got a nutmeg in there that's when also did another like, get in um, so yeah if Sancho can play if Sancho can play 45 minutes of football you play him for 45 minutes I think yeah, yeah. Did you just say if he can play forty-five minutes of football, you play him for forty-five minutes? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to overdo it. And if you can play an hour of football, you'd play him for an hour, oh, would no, you? I'm playing for forty-five still. <laughs> still, I'm still playing for forty-five. Uh, I'll give him a go in the. I, I'd ask him. Well, me, the imaginary coach of Manchester, not imaginary director of football, whatever. I'd pretend. Uh, I'd ask him if he fancies a go on the right-hand side if Anthony's injured or whatever, because I, I still do want Rashford on the left at this point in time. Yeah, absolutely. They're putting a lot of work into Jadon Sancho at Carrington, and uh, it's not just Eric Ten Hag. The coaches are working with him. I think he's got the belief of, of his teammates. He's had, a, he's had a hiccup. He got clattered tonight, didn't he? Did you see he that? Did. Was it by Ailing? Yeah, yeah. Real and, good and, one on his ankle. Yeah, and I just thought, that might not be a bad thing. This is like, bang, welcome to reality again. Yeah. You see it, Critch? Yeah, yeah. He was down holding it for a little yeah. bit afterwards as well. It and seems to. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Well, That's all right. Come on. We've broken Critch already. Um, I'm going to let you go and, and go and write your piece Sorry. now. Yeah, but before no, you go, I'm what? I'm dog sitting tonight. I've got to be back. So. You're dog sitting. Yeah, I'm dog sitting. What That's time? quite a thing to admit. The first time you've come on the podcast, to be well, honest, yeah. you're just adding to your reputation now. Yeah. What sort of dog are you sitting? It's a cockapoo. Her name's Disco. She um, sits on the windowsill and stares out as I walk down the drive as I leave. And as far as I know, she's still there. So, uh, you know, I I definitely need to let you go then. My girlfriend's come back and is taking care of her now. But yeah, when I I left, she was on her own. So uh, I feel like we should play some sort of like Largo music, (laughs) whoever it is. If I seem distant or a little bit, you know, that's where my mind is. Just thinking about the dog. Okay, that's fine. What are you going to write about tonight, though, that people can look forward to to see on The Athletic? I was just so articulate on Jaden Sancho right there. I'm going to write about (laughs) Not cockapoos, no. (laughs) <laughs> no, um, no, I think it's Jaden Sancho because of everything that we've said just there. I think what Ten Hag was saying in his post-match presser afterwards was that um, that he's backing him, the coaches are backing him, the whole squad's backing him, and it's just up to for himself to finally do it himself. And I think what you've seen tonight is the first few steps of that. Um, I totally agree that that goal is a moment that everyone at this stadium has been waiting for for several months but also definitely over the past week because the reception that he got in the in the uh, Carabao Cup game against Forest was honestly one of the more heartwarming moments that I've had in covering United for the yeah. last five or six years just really good to hear and I also love the fact that um, the Leeds fans were singing Marcus Rashford Jaden Sancho let your country down then both of them go and score by the way at the end that was that was that was enjoyable as well but no I think just that moment has been something that this whole stadium has been waiting for and it ties into what I was saying before about the sense of unity that you get around the place the sense that there's a connection with the crowd and the team and the manager and everything just about the club at the minute I know it was a disappointing result tonight but I think the fact that Sancho played a huge part in getting that comeback um, was really key and is is definitely the big plus point to take so yeah that'll be my piece well said go and pet disco (laughs) thank you Critch so here's that Russell again and he's helping himself to yet another Malteser. Carl and I have not had one yet. But anyway, let's talk about the match on Sunday. Um, you teased it before, Andy, about Manchester United playing the occasion and the atmosphere at Ellen Road. You've written extensively over the years about the rivalry between Manchester United and Leeds. There's a piece on The Athletic at the moment, a fresh one, the latest take on this War of the Roses type thing that doesn't really apply but does, as we agreed on the last pod. Ten Hag said it, so Ten Hag called it the Match of the Roses on Tuesday, so he's been told. Yeah, he has, hasn't he, (laughs) certainly. Um, It's just different there, isn't it, this match? I mean, yes, the atmosphere was was great at times tonight, but (laughs) at some points, the loudest people in here still were the away end, weren't they? They loved this game. Yeah. I've not seen any set of away fans walk down St. Applesby Way this season like the Leeds United fans did. It felt very visceral, very real. They were pumped up with aggression. It was pretty intimidating. I, I didn't feel intimidated, but I could see that someone who wasn't used to that might feel intimidated. You're hard though, aren't you? Well, in the piece you said about actually getting knocked over at Ellen Road once. You didn't say that on the last podcast. Yeah, because he said it before, hasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't knocked over. It was punched to the ground. Well, uh, yeah. I didn't yeah. want to be dramatic well, like I, you. I was, I was a young idiot, wasn't I? I was, I was 18 years old and thought it would be a good idea to start singing about <laughs> Manchester walking past the bit where all the Leeds nutters go into. So I learned a lesson that day. And... Uh, 
Knocked a bit of sense into you, some said. Yeah, it, it might have done. I, I, it, when they walk past tonight, I'm really struck by that, that because it really means something to them. And I like that. I don't like the fact that it could have turned to violence. And there were actually some skirmishes on the forecourt. There was a huge police presence here tonight. That's really rare, that, these it's days really as well, rare. isn't it? Really rare. Against Liverpool in August, I saw like six or seven little scouse urchins looking for trouble. And I was struck by that. But tonight, it was like half the away end just walked in together. They were singing really strong songs. I was speaking to a Leeds fan at the time, actually, and he said, which is quite right, there's no place for this on both sides. And it's pretty horrible. Really nasty side to, to this rivalry. I do like the edge. Not, not going that far. But that was a brilliant away end tonight. Did you see how much it meant to them when they went ahead? When I looked across to them, I was like, gutted. But if you're in there, I can't pick out Bournemouth again. <laughs> but but you're going to. There's no way the Bournemouth end would have been like that. <laughs> Poor Bournemouth. Poor Bournemouth. I don't know. Right, let's talk about the actual match then itself, or at least the management team, actually, before we get into the match, Carl. Uh, Michael Scabala was leading the management team tonight. There was a couple of familiar faces, Chris Armas and Ewan Sharp in the backroom staff at Leeds. They've only just arrived, or certainly Chris Armas has. Uh, 13 days between him arriving at Leeds and um, Jesse Marsh departing on Monday, which is interesting. Uh, I saw him before the game saying hello to some of the Manchester United backroom staff who were here last year, Eric Ramsey, uh, Richard Hartis as well, um, one of the goalkeeping coaches. It doesn't sound like Leeds are definitely going to have a new manager for the game this weekend. They might do, but I don't think it's a guarantee. It doesn't sound like it's imminent. Would it be a good thing or a bad thing for United if they went with that same caretaker team again? They seem to have something about them. Chris Armas, for those keeping score at home, Chris Armas had one AirPod in. No confirmation as to where information was being fed to him. He can't have been using the transparency setting because he wouldn't have been able to hear anything, yeah, would he? Yeah. I don't think he was getting uh, tactical information fed in from Moscow this time. There was a point in the first half where he came out from the touchline and kept pointing to Diogo Dallo and Nonto and kept referring to the space between them. And he, it looked as if he wanted Nonto to get in behind Dallo and said, you know, well, I can't lip read, but he looked as he was trying to say there's space in behind, just keep going at him, and Dallow isn't as quick as Nonto. Which is, I mean, that's good information if you've managed Dallow for half a season and you, you know what, what, who's fast and whatnot. So, yeah, mildly concerning that bit. Uh, Dallow, it was, that was his first start since the defeat against Aston Villa. It looked like it as well, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, he, so he's just recovered from a hamstring injury, and yes, uh, Aaron Psycho was ill. Feels odd to say that was a game for Aaron Wan-Bissaka against Nonto. Definitely, yeah. that was a game for I'm just going to make slide tackles and I'm going to stop you from coming. And whatever happens ahead of me, it happens ahead. Dallo hopefully will improve better as he just gets a little bit more minutes around him. But you know, the coaching question with Leeds, if they play like that again at Ellen Road, big big questions need to be asked about Manchester United's wide players, full backs, and what and that Rashford and one other setup. Yeah, there's definitely things for Eric Ten Hag to consider that hopefully we'll have learnt from tonight. You imagine if they did get a new manager, it would give them even more of a lift ahead of Sunday as well. So we'll keep an eye on that one. Of course, the very latest Phil Hay will have, I'm sure, on The Athletic on Leeds' search to replace Jesse Marsh.
This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I'm not sure whether anyone other than Aaron Wambasak is going to be back for this game. Eric Tenar is going to speak again tomorrow in his press conference, but it's only in about 12 hours' time, so yeah. I'm not sure he's going to have much of an update for us. It's coming thick and fast. Talking about the Leeds coaches, how many people are you allowed in that area? That little box? 400 tonight. Right, so I picked up on it right, yeah? Because there were times when there was three of them in there. And yeah, but in fairness, that did happen quite a lot last season for United. Yeah, yeah. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Michael Carrick, Mike Phelan, all at the same time often would be in the dugout together. So are you allowed as many as you want in there? Because I, I thought it might have been two. I think it's just the, the unique architecture from Old Trafford. Right. Are we going to talk about the camber no, again? We can't talk about the camber again. <laughs> Apparently it's talked about quite a lot on, on television. Uh, right. And we were talking about it like it had never been spoken about before. But. Do you know there's a camber at Old Trafford, by the way? And uh, it's just like a crown on the top of the pitch. It drops off quite steeply at the sides. We're looking at it now. I mean, I walk up and down it every home game. And if it's slightly wet, it can be quite precarious. Anyway, that's not that interesting. Just describe this stadium, what you see now, because it is beautiful. And I know people say it's past it, it's fading. Look at it now. It is a cavity of absolute magnificent redness. And I think that red always looks better than blue inside the stadium with the seats. Just I wonder why you it. say that. I just look at it. It's a really good stadium. This stand needs sorting out. And look at them rail seats. That, that is really working now, um, that they've got sections of rail seats inside Old Trafford. And if you want to bring all your mates and stand in the technical area, that's clearly, you're clearly allowed to do that. According on a day to out to Old Trafford as, as the <laughs> Leeds caretaker team, why not? Can we just talk a little bit more about Valt Weghorst, just to wrap this up, Carl, please? Because he was a topic in the press conference to preview this game of Eric Ten Hag. Um, the record of one goal in six games, as it was, Andy's just had another Malteser, um, which is now one in seven. Um, he's finished the bag. Um, it, it doesn't matter necessarily that he's not scoring if the team is playing well and that the team is scoring. But Marcus Rashford's been moved into centre-forward twice now in three or four days and almost immediately found the back of the net. Is it time for Rashford to be starting games through the middle again? No. And please take note of the pause I did there. Ten Hag was asked this question of, uh, after the draw uh, and Ten Hag has this habit now where he brings up... If you ask him about an effective second-half substitution, he won't say, I'm going to do that for the next game. He says it was a good second-half substitution because the opponent got used to what the first guy did. So he said this about Bruno Fernandes moving over to the right-hand side uh, after Anthony, and he said this about Vakovicos, which is basically the first lad does a great job beating him up, getting him used to one thing, and it's only the second lad that you, you benefit from that. So you're playing Vakovicos, the guy's going to collect the ball, he's going to receive with his back towards goal, he's not very quick. Rasha comes in, moving in behind all the time. So that makes sense. You start with Rashford moving in behind all the time, Verkos receiving his back towards goal in the second half is not really a better variation. Mm. So, 
I, I, oh, you got to put Rash on the left. I, I still, that's his best position. Um, if you do want him to play up front, you need to have another playmaker on top of Bruno Fernandes behind Rashford who can get him the ball. That secondary playmaker could, pulling a face, be Jalen Sancho, but I don't know if Jalen Sancho can play 90 minutes yet. So, Well, and you've also got as well that it'd be Jalen Sancho, Sabitza and Fred as your midfield three, which is a complete change from, from what That's we had. Very porous. <laughs> two, two matches ago, especially going somewhere like Ellen Road, which we've already talked about the challenge that that will be. Um, this is a bit of a challenge for Ten Hag, isn't it, Andy? Because actually we've talked a lot about him not rotating very much and all of a sudden um, we're talking about a team who finished with Victor Lindelof in central midfield. Um, Palestri made his Premier League debut 800 and odd days after joining the club. Even even the front line of Garnacho on the left, Veghorst up front and Marcus Rashford on the right looked a little off. The midfield was changed. This is where the squad is. It's not looking like a team which has the, the talent to be able to win a league title. I think Palestri does have something. Uh, I thought he, he did all right when he came on. I don't know where the um, where it's going with Victor Lindelof playing um, in, in the middle. I'm, sound, I'm pausing here because I can see a space in that stand where there's no flag. And I'm just wondering, if City get like properly done for cheating, do you remember that odometer <laughs> you used to have here? And each year it used to go up, every year that City didn't win a trophy. If they get really done and they have all the, the trophies stripped, can we reintroduce it and just put it back over there? And how many years? Would it be like 46 years then without City winning a trophy? I'm sorry, this is how my mind is working, but <laughs> I definitely know other Manchester United fans will have thought of this in light of the recent news that Manchester City may have been naughty boys 115 times. But if that odometer came back here, can you remember it? I do remember it, yeah. It was, it was black with, with white writing, yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I love the detail of that, that because it was a odometer mm. that you could just about see the next number which implied <laughs> that it was going to go to the next number as well City that was fans, a good detail that. City fans hated it I, oh, I can imagine why. yeah, they properly yeah. hated it I, I heard of a couple who paid to come on the tour here just so they could get into the ground with the idea of wrenching it and, and that was like the symbol of everything that they absolutely despised well so. we need to win at the end of this month otherwise they might be starting to consider putting one up for us that's the problem isn't it yeah and win cleanly and win fair and square against a very good <coughs> Newcastle United team but yeah it's, it has been too long since Manchester United uh, won a trophy I think that would be a very tough game actually against the Geordies who showed how good they are at Old Trafford but it's good to be in the mix and to feel disappointed because we're not beating Leeds United it, it, it feels like it matters it, 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 it's real and that we're getting frustrated it shows that expectations have, have risen um, but it's still annoying that United have not beaten Leeds at Old Trafford yeah it certainly is remember then don't forget oh Carl is clicking one thing that I did find mildly concerning Leeds were very content to let Rafael Varane get the ball so they pressed everyone apart from Rafael Varane. I went, all right, you know, you can, you can pass and progress because Rafael Varane likes passing sideways. Isn't, he, he carries a little bit, but unlike Maguire, who goes all the way past halfway line, he gets to the point and goes, no, I'm getting a nosebleed here. Who he wants it? scored. <coughs> I mean, I know he did <coughs> score maybe, maybe at the wrong a, end. Then he scored a header. Um, but this is a thing that's happened in two or three games. Southampton at St. Mary's did it. And I want to say Crystal Palace have done it as well. So there have been two or three bottom half sides that very clearly go, 
Martinez's passing is too good. Shaw's passing is very, very good. Dallow's getting good at getting a half space. Press all them. Just let Varane get it. And then we should be fairly fine. So okay. something to keep up, keep an eye on for Sunday. Well, let Varane forward, let him score. Because he, he, he did really well to win that header. And that's sort of a decent You love Varane, don't you? You, great, you always have a, lo- a lovely... There's this look on his face. That you I can't see, see it on a podcast, but it just sort of like... There's a glow, there's a Varane glow, isn't there? He's a world-class player and he shows it. He's absolutely fantastic. And he is one of the main reasons why Manchester United have become so good this season. Along with Casemiro, who I like even more because he's the most important player. And Martinez, I like him as well. I thought he played well tonight. If we're going to finish this on a high, ahead yeah, of a trip does. to Yorkshire at the weekend, Lissandro Martinez. He's going to love Ellen Road, isn't he? <laughs> Absolutely. Right, don't forget, there is a special podcast price of £1.99 a month if you want to join and subscribe to The Athletic. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. But thank you to Carl. Thank you very much. Thank you to Andy. Thank you, Ian. And thank you to Critch, who will be now off somewhere with a white Russian in one hand and Disco in the other. That was an interesting revelation, wasn't it? I hope you enjoyed that. Thank you for listening and we'll see you after the next game against Leeds. Take care. Bye-bye. Athletic.